Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the parent-child relationship is nothing short of amazing. Through the union of husband and wife, new life is created. And over the next nine months, God intricately weaves together a child in the womb of the mother. And finally, by God's power, a new child is born into the world. This is a parent's own flesh and blood. It's quite amazing how, although every person is unique, uh, children bear similar looks and can even have similar personalities to their parents. You can see this even from a very early age. No sooner is a child born than people are already trying to determine which side of the family the child resembles most. Then over the next 20 years or so, children grow and develop under the care of their parents. It's a special bond. It's a special relationship, unlike any other relationship on earth. And it's designed by our God, by our Heavenly Father. Since it's His design, God also has something to say about children and parents. He desires that children would flourish under the care and direction of their parents. And in order for this to happen, children need to honor their father and their mother. Without the honoring of parents, this special relationship will not bring the joy it's meant to bring. Instead, it will bring pain and hardship. So again, God calls children, commands them to honor their parents, their father and their mother. As we hope to see this afternoon, this commandment also applies to other areas of life and other forms of authority. So as I preach you God's word this afternoon, I'll do so under the following theme and points. Honor your parents and all those in authority over you. We'll look at three things. First of all, the change that Christ brings. Second of all, the command that Scripture gives. And finally, the promise that God makes. So, in the fall into sin in paradise, you could say that we broke the fifth commandment. I don't know if you've ever viewed the fall into sin that way before, but it is true. You see, in Luke 3, Adam is called God's son. And Adam and Eve were created and commanded to submit to God the Father's authority. However, we know the devil tempted them to rebel against that authority. And Adam and Eve and we in them gave in to that desire, the desire to to decide good and evil for ourselves the desire to make our own rules and live our own lives as kings and queens of our own lives. And this same spirit remains in us ever since the fall. In all of our hearts, the desire emerges at times to rebel against authority. You see, being under the authority of someone else, perhaps a parent or a teacher, means submission. And submission means not doing what you want, but doing 
what someone else wants. And so submitting to someone in authority, it takes self-denial. And that's because submission can mean, again, denying what we want. It can bring burdens, perhaps. It can bring discomfort, hardships, annoyance, and even difficulty. One of the clearest examples of this is given in our reading from Ephesians 6. There, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, he gives directions to slaves, and the Bible does this more often. It's not as though uh, the Bible is promoting slavery, but the apostles were also not out to start a slave revolt in the Roman Empire. And so they address the situation of masters and slaves as they found them. And think for a moment of a slave. As a slave, you are never your own boss. You always need to submit to someone else. There's always someone telling you what to do. At all times, you're never free to go where you want to go and do what you want to do. You need to listen to your master. As a slave, you would long to be free from that. You would love to be free from that life of always doing whatever your master tells you. And there would always be that temptation to despise your master, to disobey him, to slack off at your work whenever you could, or to even run away. And maybe to a lesser degree, we have that same temptation when it comes to all authority. A child might desire to get out from the authority of his or her parents. No more mom and dad telling me what to do. A student might want to get out from the authority of his or her teachers. No more school rules to follow. A citizen might want to get out from under the rule of a government. No more laws or restrictions to obey. And that's sort of the default mode of our fallen human hearts. Now, as we know from the book of Acts, the apostles and others, they proclaimed the good news of Christ throughout the Roman Empire. They preached Christ crucified. And they told people how Jesus, the Son of God, how He came to this earth, how He died to take away the sins of those who put their faith in Him. And so now, in and through Christ Jesus, they were no longer under the eternal wrath of God. Instead, they were adopted into God's very own family. And what happened as the gospel went out throughout the Roman Empire? Well, many people of different backgrounds, including slaves, including children, including ordinary Roman citizens, they now found eternal life in Christ Jesus. They found a treasure of infinite value, and that would change them. Think again of one of those slaves in the Roman Empire. For so long he may have looked with envy on the life of his master, For so long, he may have just simply wanted to be free and nothing more, desired to have the life his master had. 
But now he has gained Christ, eternal life in Christ. And that changes his perspective on his present life. That slave can now make the same confession as Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, the confession of having nothing but possessing everything. Yes, I may have nothing in this life, but I have everything because I have Christ as my Savior. You can make the same confession we read about in Hebrews 13. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. See, all of a sudden, the believing slave has become infinitely richer than his unbelieving master. He's gained a treasure that his master simply does not have. And so now, his slavery, it's, it's not simply about submitting to his earthly master. Even though that submission to an earthly master meant self-denial, his life was not lost. And so he could have joy even in that slavery. He could have joy serving his Lord Jesus who bought him with his blood. He had a, a wonderful master in heaven whom he wanted to serve. It's not that his earthly slavery suddenly became fun, but it's far easier to submit each day when you know you have eternal life coming. Besides, it's what his Savior wanted from him. And so as Christianity spread, you would would notice changes slowly happening in the Roman Empire. A master would, would notice a change in his slave who had come to accept Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The slaves may even work harder than, than before. They even might work joyfully. And parents who had children embrace Christ, they would, they would notice a change in their children. Their children would more and more obey readily and willingly. And governments, they might notice a difference in the Christian citizens. Citizens would not cause trouble in the empire. They readily pay their taxes and submit to the government. The same change still happens through the gospel of Jesus Christ. After all, it's Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit who changes us. As we read from Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's also the same gospel that has come to us. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is one reason why Paul addresses children the way he does in Ephesians 6. What does he say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You're not just in a relationship with your parents. Keep in mind your relationship to Christ and and God, your Heavenly Father. Christ has bought you. He is your Lord. He has given you eternal life through His blood. And from that perspective, lay down your life, deny your own will, 
Obey your parents in the Lord. We obey those whom God calls us to obey. See, this is the change that Christ brings. He changes our perspective on this life. Now I will ask all of you, can the people around you notice that you have a high regard for authority? Is this change seen in you, in your heart, in your life? Is the change seen in the way you talk about and act towards a parent's? teachers, government, even the referee, brings us to our next point. Now, in the fifth commandment, God commands us to honor our father and mother. Of course, this extends to all those in authority over us. Why does God command this? Well, one reason is because of the responsibility given to those in authority. See, being an authority over someone else is a huge responsibility. Think of what we read from Hebrews 13 about the elders of the church. The author writes in verse 7, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So the elders and the leaders, they were meant to be examples to the rest of God's people meant to show them how to live a life pleasing to God. And if they provided a good example, it would be such a benefit for those under their care. But if they provided a bad example and led them astray, the results would be disastrous. And Scripture is clear, God does not think well of leaders who lead His people astray. Think only of how strongly Christ denounced the Pharisees. Think also in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who ought to give an account. So the elders of the church charged with keeping watch over your souls. And they need to give an account to God. Do you understand how great a responsibility that is? And similar things can be said about others in authority. Children, think of your parents. God has tasked them with feeding you, caring for you, raising you, teaching you, guiding you in the Christian life. There's no greater responsibility than that. Think also of the government. They're in charge of a, maybe a city, a province, or a country. They have vast amounts of people under their authority, often faced with difficult decisions, and the decisions they make have huge repercussions for so many. And this has only increased exponentially during the pandemic. And in this regard, I appreciate what Reverend Bauman wrote in the magazine Clarion a few months ago. In his article titled, A Call for Patience, he writes, Being called to a position of leadership in government in the present circumstances must be one of the most difficult assignments anybody could ever receive. Huge responsibility. This is also why God takes disobedience uh, disobedience to authority so seriously. 
Right? Those in authority are, are called to lead, guide, teach, and protect, and so on. And it's God's design that authority would promote order, justice, truth, and life. And so even if those in authority are, are doing a poor job, those who rebel against authority rebel against God's design and so against God Himself. That's one reason why the law said that those who curse their father and mother must be put to death. God takes it seriously. Furthermore, rebelling against authority only compounds the problem. Listen again to Hebrews 13. Obey your leaders and submit to them. for They are keeping watch over your souls as those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. See, being in a position of authority, it's difficult enough on its own, but it's even more difficult to do it if you are groaning, burdened under that uh, task you've been given. So he, he says, let the elders do their work with joy, not with groaning. When might an office bearer groan during his task? You could mention any number of times when a member refuses to listen to God's Word leads to groaning. When a member has an unteachable spirit, leads to groaning. When a member stirs up division, leads to groaning. The same goes for parents, children, and teenagers. If you di deliberately disobey your parents, it will cause that, that groaning, that burden. If you refuse to listen to their teaching and guidance, Again, the same. Or even if you just give them a bad attitude, leads to that groaning. And yes, we can say the sort of, same sort of thing too, also with the governing officials. Now, I know, I know the relationship between citizens and the government is a lot different than the relationship between children and parents. However, the citizens of a country or province can also cause their leaders to grow. It's going to happen when citizens speak angry or hateful words towards elected officials. I wonder if that has happened more often than not over the past year or so. Well, it's not to say that you cannot disagree with the government, and maybe you're also thinking, well, I have done my own share of groaning over the past year, and often it's because of their policies. Well, you can and you may and should talk to our governing authorities. But when we speak to them or about them, we always do it with respect. Remember the positive side of this commandment. God calls us to honor our father and our mother. You could have put this commandment in the negative, do not disobey your parents. Lots of the other commandments are like that. You know, you shall not steal. But instead, he has put, us, put it as something for us to do to honor them. And the catechism summarizes it. I am to show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. 
children, God calls you to honor your parents. You can honor them by obeying without grumbling. You can honor them by listening carefully to them. You can honor them by talking to them with respect. You can honor them by showing thankfulness for everything that they do for you. You can honor your teachers by not disrupting class. You can honor them by, again, talking to them with respect. You can honor the office bearers by having a teachable spirit. Welcome them as servants of Christ. What about the government? Well, we're called to honor them too. And in this we do well to take our cue from the reformer Guido de Bred, the author of the Belgian Confession. After all, Hebrews 13 calls us to imitate the life of our leaders, and this can include leaders of the church from years gone by. In the 16th century, the Reformed churches were being heavily persecuted by King Philip II. Guido de Bray wrote a letter to the king along with a copy of their confession of faith. Was he protesting the persecution? Yes, he certainly was. Was he trying to change the king's heart and practices? By all means. What was one of his main messages to King Philip? That the Reformed Christians were not rebels in Philip's kingdom. Debray writes, And none of the Reformed Christians was ever seen any preparation for revolt. Indeed, never a word was heard from these persons that would lead to insurrection. In this letter, he speaks to the king with honor and respect. Listen to how he addresses the king. To the invincible King Philip, her ruling lord, if it were granted to us, O most gracious lord, to present ourselves before your majesty in order that we might demonstrate our innocence concerning the crimes with which we are charged, to demonstrate the righteousness of our cause, we would not seek this secret means in order to make known to you the bitter laments of your people by means of a silent petition or a written confession." So you can hear in his words a, a ring of respect for the king, someone who is persecuting the Reformed Church. Certainly the author of one of our confessions, he provides a good example for us still today. And notice one more thing from Hebrews 13. Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. Let them do this with joy. Being in a position of leadership, it's a big responsibility. It can bring much stress. Again, it can bring groaning. But it doesn't have to be that way. There can be joy for those in authority, and often there is. Children, if you obey your parents... If you honor them by showing them love and respects, your parents will have great joy. Listen to Proverbs 23, verses 24 and 25. The father of a righteous person will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Think upon those words. 
Let them rejoice. There can be great joy for the office bearers of the church, too, when members give a listening ear. That brings joy. When members display the fruit of the Spirit, that brings joy. And when straying members return to the right path, that brings great joy, rejoicing. This is not only for the well-being of your parents or the elders, but it's also for your own benefit. To quote Hebrews 13 again, your leaders are watching over your souls. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. In other words, there's an advantage to you if you honor your leaders, if you honor your parents. This also has to do with God's promise that He attaches to this commandment. That's what we'll see in our last point. When we think of the law of God, we tend to only think of bare commandments. However, God has attached a promise to the fifth commandment. We hear that promise every Sunday morning. We also read it in Ephesians 6, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Now, in some respects, we can talk about this promise being for everyone in the world. There is a sense in which this is true for all people, whether they are a believer or an unbeliever. What I mean by that is that God has designed this world that life would flourish when authority is honored. See, the unbelieving child who obeys his father and mother will face a better life than the one who gives outright rebellion. It will go much better for the unbelieving citizen who obeys the laws of the land than for the one who flagrantly breaks the law. And it will be better for the unbelieving worker who works hard to help his boss than for the one who slacks off or doesn't care about his boss at all. So in some sense, we can say that God gives positive retribution for everyone who honors authority. However, here we are focusing on the promises of God. And when we're thinking of the promises of God, we should Think of God's covenant, His relationship with His people. So we should view this promise specifically for Christian children. Christian children, honor your father and your mother. Listen to God's promise. Believe God's promise. It will go well with you. Yes, it may take self-denial. Yes, your parents are certainly far from perfect. Yes, it may feel like a burden at times, but God is telling you, it's worth it. And no more clearly is this seen than when it comes to their instruction to you about the Christian faith and life. If you honor them in this, if you listen to their teaching, it will go very well for you. Let's be clear what this promise is not saying. It's not saying that if you honor your parents, you'll go up to get a great job and own a nice house and never be sick and so on. And neither can we say that hardships in life all come because a person did not honor his or her parents. 
Okay, if you especially honor your parents in receiving their instruction in the Christian faith, it will go well with you. You will gain a great start in the race of faith God calls you to run throughout your life. You will be all the more equipped to persevere in faith through all the, the troubles of life. You will have then a foundation of faith upon which you can build the rest of your life. That means that no matter what may happen, once you leave the authority or the house of your parents, it will be well with your soul as you have learned to serve the Lord. Amen. Let's respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing together Psalm 40, stanzas 3 and 4.